Welcome and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Donovan, my wife Jessica and I are the lead pastors here at Destiny Church Praha. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media or visit our website at destinypraha.com. Let's get into the Word. something very strange this morning. I'm preaching someone else's message. Half of it, but I'll make it my own or yours. Um, We're very excited because we're going to be commissioning and just praying a blessing over our group leaders this morning. There's eight to ten of them, but I just felt in preparing for this word that there's way more in this church. And God wants to activate you this morning. So we're really, really excited about that. We've been punching above our weight. We have an impossible vision. Um, And we just know what God's been telling us in this season. And Jessica will get to that in a moment. Um, So we just really feel that what we're implementing as a church in our groups starting off next week, uh, we just feel is uh, God's instruction for the season of our church And we just know that we're going to see growth and expansion and maturity come through those moments as well. So we're very excited. Um, And I think it's just the beginning of what God's starting with us as a church. So this word is actually on a podcast. So if I do it in injustice, I can send you the link. Just kidding. But seriously, it was um, a word that went out to YWAM Kona, which is in Hawaii. So obviously a super chilled bunch of people. Um, But very cool. This happened just as the pandemic broke out, and it was specifically looking at what is God doing with the church in the season where we couldn't gather like this. But I feel this word is probably even more relevant now, post-COVID, as we've started to to wake up and come out of our holes and start to meet together. Further, this word that was released um, was substantiated factually from a book called The Rise of Christianity by a gentleman by the name of Rodney Stott. You can see who types my notes. <laughs> she transcribed this for me. <laughs> it's, it's been a busy week. Um, but there's some fact that I'm going to go through in a moment that just deals with the early church, and it's looking at the book of Acts and the first 300, of the early ch- uh, first 300 years of the early church, and some of the fact is coming out of this particular book. So if you want to know more, if you're interested in church history, um, which you should be at some stage of your Christian walk because it's really exciting, and you're going to see history will empower us this morning. Um, so that book is called The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark, like Tony Stark, if you're a Marvel fan. Um, and let's get straight into it. So we're going we're gonna to be in the book of Acts a little bit today. I'm going to jump around. So don't worry too much about turning um, to your Bibles. But the first 300 years is what the book of Acts is covering to a large degree before you start to see a change in how uh, government started to involve itself in religion. And we're going to look at what the book of Acts looked like because so often us, you know, whatever, 2,000 years later almost, we look at the book of Acts and we think there was some magical, supernatural, and there was supernatural power happening but we, we, we look at the, the scale of the church, the early church in the book of Acts, and we think, oh my gosh, that's not relevant to today. It's not obtainable because there was a supernatural something happening at that time, which is not happening today. And the truth is, 
That's a lie. There was structure. There was certain things that was happening that propelled and accelerated the early church forward while they saw the gifts of the Spirit, while the Holy Spirit was falling like it still does today. Healing still happens today, right? We had someone just this week telling us that we're having a down moment. And all of a sudden, their mind was just filled with Scripture, being reminded of who they are in Christ Jesus. That is the same Holy Spirit today that they were experiencing then. But what changed? Why don't we see the churches bursting at the seams anymore like they were doing then? We're going to look into that. What were they doing differently? It wasn't just mass evangelism happening. And we're going to get to specifically look at the home and what happened in people's homes. What were the patterns in the early church that we can learn from today and implement in our current day society? And this is very exciting and important for us as we launch four connect groups. And this is why I feel five connect groups. Thanks, Jess. Um, Because I really feel God wants to accelerate the church in the homes of the body. Amen. Chris and Marina, if this doesn't cause you to stay in the Czech Republic or move back, then I don't know. So I'm going to read a lot, which I also don't do, but this is important. It's fact. So check this out. Stay with me for a second. The first 300 years of Christianity, Christianity grew 40% every 10 years for 300 years, right? Don't try and do the math. I try to follow this. I'll give you the, the answers in a moment, Abel. So what happens is you see Jesus leave a couple of believers, maybe a couple of hundred. You see the upper room experience happening where the Holy Spirit came. And you see the church of God accelerate and you see exponential growth happening. And statistically, they calculated that the church grew 40% every 10 years for 300 years. Check this out. We didn't maybe know this fact. Christianity was not legal. It was illegal. Right? You see the Jewish leaders and all the rest in the synagogues. The Christians at the time, that reformation that was happening, wasn't happening like this. It was happening in secret. They were being persecuted. You can go read the book of Acts when they were being flogged in the streets, the apostles. It was illegal to do what we're doing today in the first 300 years of the church. Yet, the growth that you saw in those 300 years was exponential as opposed to what we're seeing today. In the year 300 AD, the Roman Empire was roughly about 60 million people. 10% was Christians. So Jesus left a couple of hundred people that believed. And by 300 AD, 6 million people were Christians. Come on. And it was illegal. Are you following me? Okay. If that growth rate had continued for just another 50 years, right, into 350 AD... 56% of the Roman Empire would have been Christian. So here's the maths for you. 10% at the year 300 AD were Christian. If you had continued in that trajectory for another 50 years, more than half of the Roman Empire at 350 AD would have been Christian professed believers. But something changed in 300 AD. Christianity was made legal for the first time in 13... Uh, 313 AD. Why is this important? Constantine declared that it was a legal state religion of Rome. And from Christianity being persecuted during the earlier years, 
Constantine made it legal, and you started to see the decline of Christian believers coming to the faith. Why is that? Long pause. When institution replaces the home, Christianity suffers. I'm going to say that again. When institution replaces the home, Christianity suffers. When the church of God is in a state of persecution, when we can't meet, there's something powerful that happens when people come together. But as soon as it's open and it's comfortable, we enter into this institutional church. I don't want to hop on this point too much. We enter into this consumerism type of church mode where it's great and we have to have Starbucks and bless Becky for bringing us croissants and pastries as we do. We're in Europe now. This was back home. The fire would be going already in South Africa. But it becomes a place that's comfortable where the early church didn't have the luxuries we have today. Yet we see exponential growth in the first 300 years of the church. And today you won't even find a person walking into a local church. Are you with me? When government or institutionalized Christianity hierarchy replace what was meant to take place in the home and the family, Christianity stops growing. There's a point in this podcast, and I would really urge anyone, we'll share it with you guys, it's really good to hear. They're talking about statistics and the number of hours a typical person would spend in an institution, even in education, right? We send our kids to school, and it's something ridiculous, the proportion of time you spend with your family around a dinner table versus the time you spend learning under an institution is insane. And in today's society, what God designed for the family and the home Right, And for us to instill into our children and for our parents to instill into us, we've outsourced to institution. It's the university's problem. It's the school's problem. It's the church's problem to educate my kids in the word of God. Amen. It's the Sunday school's problem. Hey, that's why you guys homeschool, right? Now, are we not saying those things are wrong? Because those things are important. We love teachers. We are blessed teachers. Man, they were the, they're the pillar of society for sure. But that doesn't mean that there isn't an important need for community in the home. And I'm going to come back to this point in a moment. But the thing is, we come here on a Sunday. We go to Overflow on a Monday. We go to our Connect group. And we expect on a Tuesday at Audrey's place, at Stefan's place with Audrey. But you go there and you expect a Holy Spirit moment. You expect an encounter. And then you go home and you turn on Netflix. And then you want to isolate yourself. Instead of going home and going, oh man, what does the Holy Spirit want to do with my kids today? What does the Holy Spirit want to do in my marriage today? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me at, at my home? The book of Acts is a template for Christianity. Only Jews could gather in the synagogues. So Christians were forced to meet in their homes. That is the best thing that could have happened to Christianity in that time. Instead of needing to go to a church building to hear the gospel, to receive healing, to pray or to be discipled, it was now happening in the home. You know, we started a connect group when we were in South Africa. It's quite funny story, actually, because God was sending us to America, which failed dismally. And he completely reset our entire life. We were leading music teams. And he just wiped all of that out the way. 
and he said, you will teach in a small group in your home. And we were like, cool, that sounds exciting. 60% of the people that came to our connect group weren't church-going people. 40% of them weren't, didn't even know Jesus Christ. But they came because it was good company, because it was authentic, because we could go deep, because we weren't weird like we are on a Sunday, you know? I was in my shorts and my T-shirt. The fire was going. We were going to throw some meat on the fire. It was comfortable for people to come. Chris said it this week. We had dinner with them. That just this week they had some folks in this body in their church. And just sharing a meal together, people were saying, well, how do I evangelize to my colleagues at work? And they were able to have healthy, authentic, real-world conversation and actually learn and start to spar with each other as Christians. What have we done? We've taken that away. You come here for an hour and a half on a Sunday. You get Donovan's 20-minute secondhand revelation, or Jessica's, which is generally pretty good, but it's still secondhand. It's not you seeking God for your own. We sing some happy, clappy songs, and nothing changes in our life. And some Christians live their entire life, 25, 40 years, never leading someone to the Lord, never telling their neighbor about how good God has been to them and the hand of God upon their family. Come on. Every home in the first 300 years of Christianity was now a place of prayer. Every home was now a place of worship, of evangelism, discipleship, and training. The home replaced the institution. We're a society that believes in institutionalized. We're an institutionalized society. We expect the institution of church, the institution of education, whatever it may be, to teach us the ways of the world, to teach us how to do life, when the truth is we need to be doing life together, looking after each other. That's the way it was designed in the early church. That's why we saw the expansion. We made a note here, you shouldn't rely on the church to do what the family and the community was meant to do. You hear what I'm saying? We've put a hope in our pastors to make sure people are discipled, to make sure the kingdom of God is expanding. There is a weight that rests on Jesse and our shoulders to make sure that a hundred people are being discipled. Just think about that logically. Do any of you manage a hundred people in the workplace? No, because that's a textbook fail. Right, Chris? How many managers do you have, Chris? Chris has as many connect group leaders in the workplace as we do. Come on. And often we find ourselves going, oh, I hope my church comes up with a discipleship program. I hope my church comes up with an evangelistic program. That's my favorite one. Evangelists in the room always come to us going, oh, we need an outlet for evangelism. Why don't you just invite someone to your house? Right? I hope the church will organize something that I have an outlet to bless to be generous, to pray for, to train, to walk alongside. Just me? Not realizing that you have a church in your home. Each of us are responsible to disciple new believers. Each of us are responsible to disciple new believers. There are people that have just met Jesus. Praise God we were baptizing people Jan, we baptized Jan, we baptized Kim yesterday. It was a moving experience. Bless you guys. We love you guys. 
but it's our responsibility to make sure that you're journeying with Christ Jesus, right? That you're getting this message firsthand, that you're not needing to spend the next 15 years of your life trying to work out, like, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? How do I access him? How do I read the word of God? That's our responsibility. Is it going to happen on a Sunday when I don't give you a moment to speak? No, it's going to happen when you come to my house and share a meal with me. Amen? Am I preaching to myself this morning? Oh, I thought you'd be a little bit more rowdy than this. You were called to reach the lost. You were called to heal the sick. Okay, now we're going to get into some scripture. Let's dig our heels in. One of my favorite texts in Luke 10. Jesus sends out the 72. I need a new jersey. It's sliding down my arms. Jesus sends out the 72. He's just fed the 5,000, right? Good test of faith from the disciples. Bring me some loaves and some fish. But after that, he sends out 72 people. So he doesn't send out the 12 disciples that we all believe have had 40 years with him, right? Which they didn't. They only had two and a half. So there's a couple of people that have just been around Jesus. Let's call it for a couple of months, maybe a year. Who knows? Maybe they've been following him since he started on his ministry. It doesn't matter. They were hungry. They were on the mountaintop. He fed them. And in the next passage, it says he sent them out. And what does he instruct them to do? Does anybody know? Good, good, good. He says, go share a meal. Go share a meal. He says a lot. But the core, the core of that is he says, go share a meal. If someone invites you in, eat with them. Eat whatever they give you. Share a meal with them. You can check it out. And it says, and where there is the sick, heal them. It doesn't say, oh, well, you know, like, like get fired up with the Holy Spirit and, you know, maybe fast for 40 days. It just says, go share a meal and heal the sick. And you know what happens at the end of that passage? They come back to Jesus. And it says they're rejoicing. They're full of joy because they've just done church together. They're likely ill-equipped. They they've only just heard and seen for the first time. They saw this miracle take place. They get sent out by Jesus to go eat, which we're going to do after this church. We're going to go eat for lunch, right? And they come back to him full of joy saying, Wow, even the demons submit to us in your name. Come on. We haven't even spoken about deliverance ministry in this church yet. Next week, Sunday. Just kidding. But these are people that haven't been doing Christianity a long time. Most of you have spent a hundred times more time with Christ and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit hadn't even come at that time to the people. But when they came together, they ate a meal together. They spoke about the word of God. They witnessed to what they had seen. They healed the sick. The town was changed. Demons fled, and the church of God was on fire. Amen. Acts 1 verse 4, the final instruction from Jesus, probably the most important sentence of Jesus' life, where he says, wait, and my spirit will come. You can go read this. It says, as they were having a meal, reclining at the table. Happened in a home. The most important instruction where it says, go wait for my spirit and he will come to you, happens in someone's home. Pentecost happens in the upper room of someone's home. Go read it. I went and read all of these over again. 
And I couldn't believe the common denominator in each of these scriptures. Whenever you saw activation, whenever you saw scale, whenever you saw people being empowered, whenever you even saw the Holy Spirit come to the Gentiles for the first time, because they believed that the Holy Spirit was only for the Jews until Acts 12, 10. Right? Happens in somebody's home. Why? Because it was illegal for them to meet any other way. Pentecost happens in the upper room of somebody's home. Saul, Saul gets healed when Ananias comes to pray for him in somebody's home. That passage starts off with the murderous Saul and ends with an empowered man to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Happens in somebody's home. Come on. Acts 10, Peter has a vision in the home of a Gentile uh, has a vision of the Gentile church being birthed in a home. He didn't need to come and do 40 minutes of worship to get into the presence of God. He was in his home just being about whatever he was doing, and God came to him in a vision and actually says a trance. Weird, right? In a home. Makes me want to pack up and go home and just see what the Lord's got for me there. Maybe my children are just like being absolutely blessed. They're at home at the moment. Cornelius, Acts 10, baptized in the Holy Spirit and his whole household. This is actually a funny story. You should go read it. Um, Cornelius was a centurion at the time, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and says, Peter, you need to reach out to Peter. Peter gets invited to his home. Cornelius gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. The whole household gets saved. The Gentile church is birthed. So what you and I are doing today is coming from this moment in somebody's home. Acts 12, prayer meeting that loosed Peter from prison happens in a home. Go read this story. We all focus on the story about Peter being imprisoned. But we neglect the part that it was at the home of, I want to say, Martha, one of them. Abel can check it up. They're back at home praying for Peter. And I laughed, actually, I read this. Sometimes the Lord just gives me these laugh out loud moments. They're praying. and we, the, prison, uh, the prison shakes. The shackles are loosed. Peter escapes. We know the whole story. And then, wait for it, he goes to the home where they were praying. He knocks on the window. And I think it's Martha. Is it Martha, Abel? I don't want to lie to you guys looks out the window and says to the people that are praying, said, it's Peter, he's outside. And they're busy praying for him to be loosed in the prison. Mary, mother of John, sorry. And they're praying and they see Peter, he bangs on the, on the door, right? And she says, hey guys, Peter's outside. And they go, you're crazy, that's impossible, right? That's impossible. He's in prison. No, no, he's outside. And Peter comes in, shh, 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 let me tell you what God did. Happens in a home. Acts 16, the church of Philippi starts in Lydia's home. Lydia. Anyone who tells me a woman can't be in leadership in a church. Lydia. Anyway, another story for another day. Acts 18, discipleship of Apollos, who becomes a mega leader in the early church, was done in a home. Acts 28, Paul lands on the shore of Malta because he gets shipwrecked, you know, because his life isn't tough enough. It's quite funny, he gets bitten by a viper in the very next sentence. They expect him to die. Nothing happens to him. Instead, because of the miracle of not being poisoned by the snake, he gets invited to the governor's home of the island. 
He walks in and the guy's sick and he heals him. Healing breaks out in the entire island and everyone, it says, everyone who came for healing was cured in the governor's home. The government puts Paul under arrest in a home jail. Ooh, in a home jail, what a mistake for the early church. Because in a home jail, he writes Ephesians and Philippians. Come on. The early church knew what home the home was capable of. Today's society, our home is an escape for most of us, including myself. I want to lock myself away. I want to turn the television on. I want to do a brainless activity instead of expecting the Holy Spirit to meet people in my home. For my kids to see the supernatural unfold in my home. I'm repenting this morning of this. But we're not Christians that value one thing and devalue another. And I'm telling you this this morning because I want something to shift in our minds. There are people here this morning that need to open their homes to what God wants to do in the Czech Republic. I don't care if you're in Pardubice. I don't care if you're in Maldobolislav. I don't care if you're in Pilsen or in Vinaradi. I feel opening your home to steward authentic relationship around the Word of God is powerful. It is the church. And you know what? If you're ill-equipped, if you don't know the Bible well enough, I invite you on a journey we will teach you how we do it very simply so that there's very little responsibility on you just so we can get talking about the things of God as a body. Why is that important? Because when we get out the way, the Holy Spirit comes and does what he does. When Donovan gets out the way and he allows Jan to ask the question and the Holy Spirit just reveals Jan the truth in the word of God, it becomes his revelation. It becomes his thing to own and to journey with the Holy Spirit. We want to create space to do life together around the Word of God. But that doesn't, matter, doesn't mean that we devalue the institution of church meeting on a Sunday. It doesn't mean that we devalue the institution of education or high schools or universities. Often the world, and you can go look at this in the podcast, very interesting concept, wants us to swing want to be radical on both sides where we either embrace institution and we offset responsibility to the institution taking care of our kids and education and, and godliness and biblical values or we want to disband institution and we want to do everything on our own. That means that we don't devalue the institution of meeting on a Sunday. We don't devalue necessarily um, our kids meeting in public schools, etc., but it does mean that we need to find the balance back in our homes of making sure that we're stewarding the things of God and we're making room for the Holy Spirit and for our kids and for our friends and our colleagues to meet with their Savior, to meet with the one that will bring them hope, that will restore, that is faithful. We as a body of Christ want wholeness. Can we recognize today that potentially our homes is a bit of a gray area for us? Maybe it's an area that's been lacking a little bit in our lives in terms of doing church together in our homes. And maybe it's a little different in Europe. I don't know. You guys are young. You're all doing community together. But if I know what a typical home looks like for me, it's my fortress of solitude. 
It's like where I feel in today's society, I can protect my family and the noise of the world stays outside. And in preparing for this word, I've realized that's been a lie that I've been living for a very long time. And I know some of these couples in the church want people in their homes. Hey, Emily, Nathan, Chris, Marina, you guys. Yeah, we were speaking about it just this week. Pedro, Nav, I know you guys have this on your heart. You've always had it on your heart for your community. It's just come. Every time we went to Nav's place, I've gone to Nav's place. She's always baking something. And you know she's from England, so you know it's going to be good. The chances are slim that someone that doesn't know Christ Jesus is going to walk, walk into a church on a Sunday. But if you invite them over for dinner, the likelihood is high that they're going to walk into your home filled, that is filled with the Holy Spirit, where his presence rests so heavily, where the conversation is going to be so saturated by him that something is going to change. How often have we invited people into our personal space and they've just opened up to us? Where a moment like this on a Sunday doesn't give us room for that often. Chris was telling me this week he runs with a guy back in the States. And he's been jogging with this guy. What did you say? 40 degrees Celsius weather. I don't know why you live there, but you know, we're praying you back to Prague anyway, so it doesn't matter. He's running next to this guy, and all of a sudden this guy, just through their time running together, it's a neighbor, right? Starts to just open up about his family life, his marriage. And Chris is able to speak into his life. Because when we value doing community, when we value getting into each other's faces, specifically in the home, God can do something special. I'm going to come to a close in a moment. I'm going to close in this, and this is the challenge. Because it wouldn't be from Donovan if I wasn't dropping the hammer or making you feel like something needs to change. We have very, zero expectations for our homes often. Hear what I'm saying? We have zero expectations for our home. You come to a church meeting anticipating that the Holy Spirit is going to meet you. Then you go home anticipating to watch Netflix. Right? You go to a group meeting with the expectation to study the word and then go home to finally rest. Most likely in front of, in front of a screen. The statistics on the amount of screen time, the statistics that are in this book about how time in front of the television, time in front of our t uh, phones have robbed us of intimate family time, even in the last 40 years. It is terrifying. I remember growing up sitting at the dining room table and my father asking me, how was school today? Now to get my kid to sit down for 30 seconds and eat his food is an absolute like herding cats. We don't go home with the expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to meet with your family. We don't wonder what will happen if we go home and turn our dormitory into a place of worship. We don't go home wondering what our kids or roommates need to hear in terms of discipleship. We've lost the expectation to encounter God in our homes. That is such a bold statement. I wish it wasn't true. But if I look at my own life, that is probably true, sadly. We've lost the expectation to encounter God in our homes. How often people have come into my house and I haven't prayed for them. I haven't prayed for the needs in their life. I haven't prayed for fresh revelation of God's goodness in their life. We think today of evangelism as getting a word of knowledge for a person on the street. 
which is very important. But a far more effective strategy is to share a meal with that person. Pour your life into that person so that they get far more from you than just a word of knowledge. They get discipleship. They often get to see how people live godly lives. And more importantly, they get fed. Amen? We need to change our perception that evangelism is only for the streets or for the church or for the pastors. Each of you have an opportunity to evangelize in your own homes. We don't need a mass gathering. If we needed a mass gathering when Jesus said, wait for my spirit, he would have gone to a stadium. He would have spun up a PA system. He would have got a microphone. He would have gathered 40,000 people, and he would have said, wait for my spirit, but he didn't. He sat reclining around a table, sharing a meal with the apostles, and he said, just go into the room. Just go into that person's home and wait. The early church knew the power of the home. and I'm, I'm finishing up now. The book of Acts invites us into an expectation of our homes, encountering Jesus in our homes, finding healing in our homes, finding discipleship in our homes. If you've been doing church with us for a long time and you feel like your walk with God is stagnating, I'm challenging you to get into community with people in a home. Start reading the Word of God. Start chewing on it like a piece of meat. Start asking questions because faith is activated in those moments. The, the homes in Acts were filled with generosity, prayer, discipleship, healing, encounters, evangelism, power of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. Churches were starting. Churches were planted. Hospitality flowed. Gosh, this one hit me yesterday. Hospitality ministry. Ooh, can someone get coffee and maybe some donuts on a Sunday? When someone's in your home, you can't help but be hospitable. But we've turned it into this little bucket. It's crazy. Hospitality flowed. Generosity flowed. Ever been in Steph's home? He holds nothing back. He holds nothing back. Generosity flows. God wants to recover the purpose of the home in our church. I feel this is relevant for right now, for destiny. Why do I say this? Because there's something in our hearts saying God wants to scale. When we stepped in during COVID, we were 15 to 20 people. Last week, we were 80 people in this room. I don't know how many we are. We are 105 on the records at the moment. When we moved into this building, we couldn't afford it. We were punching above our weight. We're still punching above our weight. You know what the sad part is? There isn't a building much bigger than this that's affordable for us. So something needs to change. Something needs to change. And I can't help but feel that God wants to commission people in this building to disciple, to train, to journey with, to pray for each other to see the Holy Spirit fall in your homes, to do life together. Every home is a place that can impact the lost. Can we pray very quickly? Jesse's going to come up. Was this challenging for some of you? Father, I just pray that you shake something in us. We don't want to miss what you're doing, Lord. If our strategy has been wrong, I ask that you shift it. Change our minds. Resource us to think differently. Nate had a, a word this morning and when the Romans, Romans um, 
conquered a new city, they would light the tails of the foxes and they would send out these foxes to just set ablaze the city. Call them fire foxes, where we're from. And we just saw that going out this morning. Father, as you're igniting hearts, you're setting people ablaze this morning. You're propelling people in a particular direction that's starting to say, man, I want to open my home. I want to see the Holy Spirit act, uh, be present in my home. I want to see the miraculous happen in my home. I want to see people come into the full knowledge and identity in Christ Jesus in my home. I want to be in a position to facilitate healthy, godly discussions in my home. I want to walk with my neighbor next door who's walking through a broken marriage, who's battling finances, whose child just needs a little bit of hope, needs to see a godly man who knows who he is in Christ Jesus as a reference to real masculinity in today's world. Some of you are being challenged in this area. Some of you naturally flow in this area already. And you're looking for an opportunity. You have it right now. You have it right now. If you want to open your home to do church, we bless that. We want to walk, we want to walk with you. We want to work with you. Father, I just pray that your kingdom comes. Your kingdom comes, Lord. Maybe do church the way you destined it to be, Father. Your church cannot be tamed. We don't want to stand in the way of what you can do, Lord. So we just pray that you rest, Holy Spirit, on the hearts and minds of every person here this morning, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you breathe life onto our connect groups, Father, onto our strategy to evangelize in this city. And Lord, may we just see you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.